Can you handle the truth? The informative voice for Christianity, the Marty Mento Show. Well, welcome to the all-new Marty Mento Show podcast. What a delight it is to be with you here today. I want to say thank you to Apologetics, that Christian parody band, for providing the music for the Marty Mento Show podcast. Again, if you have never heard about Apologetics, check them out online. That's Apologetics, last three letters, T-I-X, Apologetics.com. Late-breaking news here just a few moments ago, Luke Perry, the actor known for 90210, the Riverdale role, has died after a massive stroke at the age of 52. And uh, again, just shockwaves throughout Hollywood. It's just uh, people are just dumbfounded at 52 years of age. And our thoughts and prayers go out with his family and those friends and people who have known him well. Also, too, we if, if you haven't heard about the massive storms that took place last night, the tornado outbreak that hit the south, uh, the reporting right now, at least 23 in Alabama are dead, and there's many still missing. And uh, I could tell you right now, multiple tornadoes just took over uh, Lee County, Alabama, and just devastation. Uh, they're looking at about 10,000 homes and businesses, still have no electricity. And uh, again, uh, this is just a devastating thing that took place last night. And again, people are missing still, including children. And uh, our thoughts and our prayers are with them as they go through this uh, devastation. You know, this has been one of those years, I don't know about you, even last year, too, with so much happening around the world when it comes to storms, uh, when it comes to tornadoes and hurricanes and uh, different things happening. And many people wonder why, and I, I really believe it's God getting the attention of people and reminding us all that he is in control. But at the same time, we live in a world that has fallen, and we must remember that in that fallen state, as we draw closer and closer to the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us it's going to get much, much worse. Well, you know, thinking about the Bible, it brings me to something that's been on my heart and mind for the last day or so. And I actually posted this on Facebook. Matter of fact, uh, we have begun a brand new uh, the Marty Mento Show podcast page on Facebook. And uh, also, uh, there is a page of the Marty Mento Show on Twitter. And, uh, you know, we, we are going to be on Instagram and different places like that. But we want to encourage you to come by and stop by the Marty Mento Show podcast page on Facebook. And you'll see many of the stories that I'm going to talk about are actually going to be right there on that Facebook page. And uh, you can respond to the stories. You can tell us your thoughts, your views, or you can email me, martyminto at gmail.com. And, uh, and we go on and through the time period, uh, you know, you can respond on Twitter, Instagram, whatever the case may be. And I'll do my best during this podcast uh, to let everybody out there know what you're thinking, uh, what you're bringing to the table uh, as far as these topics go. But there's something that's been on my heart and mind the last 24 hours that's been bothering me. Many of you probably have been following. I know the nation has been just sitting on this edge of his chair as far as Christendom goes and even across the world. The United Methodist Church, which I guess is the second largest Protestant denomination in the world, right behind the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, they had their national convention, and they had a lot of things on the table, things of great importance. And you probably have heard the headlines that the United Methodist Church voted to uphold its position against homosexuality and same-sex marriage. 
Matter of fact, uh, there was a real contentious debates going on on the floor. Uh, they were going back and forth during this session, and uh, there were people anger. There were people crying, and uh, it's just in the midst of the United Methodist Church, there has been a schism for quite some time. But the traditional plan, uh, the official position that they have held, they continue to hold. And that is, when it comes to homosexuality, they believe it's contrary to the Christian teaching. They also uh, believe that, uh, you know, when it comes to uh, those who are going to be involved in same-sex marriage, it's not going to happen. They're just not going to be a part of it. Well, some people believe that what's going to take place now in the United Methodist Church is going to be a split. Uh, There were some other measures on the table, like uh, one thing called the One Church Plan, which would have allowed regional bodies of the denomination to determine their position on homosexuality. But uh, they didn't go with that. They went with the traditional plan in a vote. In, it was a narrow vote, 438 to 384. But the plan, what they call the traditional plan, maintains the denomination's stance against homosexuality, gay marriage, and the ordination of non-celibate homosexuals. Uh, well, promising to better enforce those rules. Now, see, that's really been an issue, too. But as I read all this, and many of you probably have read the different things that are out there here at this uh, general conference session, there was an article that came out that has me troubled. And it's an article that is um, a commentary by the Reverend James R. McCormick. He's from Cumming, Georgia. He's a retired pastor. And the title of the commentary is, Be Careful Using the Bible. Now, I don't know about you, but right away when I saw the title, it just I was like, what? Be careful using the Bible. Well, as I dove into this article, I, I just sat back and just once again scratching my head, thinking to myself, you got to be kidding me. This man is a retired minister. This is what he believes. Now, now I can understand why there has been so many issues within the United Methodist denomination. I can understand why the the schisms exist, because those who are Christians, those who have held to and still and rightfully so hold to that the Bible is the word of God, these issues that come up like same-sex marriage, homosexuality, we realize what God says about these issues. But I want to share with you this commentary that may just absolutely rock you a little bit. So hold on tight, strap in. You may be amazed by this. I'm going to share some thoughts, too, of some folks already who have responded on Facebook when it comes to this. But uh, here's what this gentleman had to say. Remember, a retired pastor. He says, one must be careful in using the Bible as a source of moral standards. Right away, the first sentence, I don't know about you, I was going, what? you got to be kidding me. we got to be careful in using the Bible as a source of moral standards. I don't know about you, but I begin to think to myself, okay, if we don't use the Bible as the source of our moral standards, then where do we get our moral standards? Where do we turn to? Do we turn to each other? Do we turn to uh, the you know cultures throughout history? Uh, how do we know what is right, what is wrong? Because we all know that we're living in a day, really, of great moral relativism, where whatever's right in your eyes is right. 
Whatever's wrong is wrong. It's it's subjective. There, it seems like the foundation has completely crumbled. But we as believers, as Christians, we know that when it comes to the Bible, we have our moral standards. We have the right understanding of what is right and what is wrong based upon the fact of God's holy word. But he goes on to say throughout history, the Bible has too often been used to justify one's own moral preferences rather than to seek God's will about human behavior. I'm really confused in that second sentence because, to be honest with you, the Bible, God's holy word, tells us exactly what human behavior is all about and why it exists and why it is wretched, why it is evil and wicked, why it is depraved, why it is against God. I mean, I could go on and on. God defines for us, and the answer is sin. We know that goes back to Genesis chapter 3 in the garden when Adam disobeyed God uh, in the garden. And Eve did also, and we know that because of their sin, the consequences are still around today. The judgment of God is still around. So when I look at this, though, I'm thinking to myself here that people have too often used the Bible to justify one's own moral preferences. Well, first of all, you know, the Bible, God's holy word, is the standard. And as I was thinking about this, and really there's so much to talk about on this issue, it blows my mind. But I, but I do know this. If the Bible is not, once again, the standard, then what would be the standard? See, I believe as a Christian, when it comes to the Bible, the Bible is the only infallible rule, infallible rule of faith and life, period. And a matter of fact, that should be for every Christian. God said it, and so it is. End of discussion. God who is holy, God who is pure, who is righteous, God who is God and we're not, has the authority and the right, but he is the one who determines what is right and wrong, what is moral and what is immoral. See, too often, once again, we want to take morality and we want it to be subjective. We want to determine what is right and what is wrong. Now, I do believe, and we'll see this further on in this article, that there are people who have taken God's word and they truly have taken it out of context and they have used it in a way that would not be glorifying to God by any means. But the bottom line is when we think of God's will, God's will is defined for us within the pages of his word. We know what God is all about as much as we can possibly understand when it comes to general revelation, all that God has created. We know that he exists. That's why there's no such thing as an atheist. But at the same time, we also have the special revelation, the written word of God, that gives us a deeper, more intimate look into who God is, what God is all about. And I think to myself here, we know what he desires, what he longs for. We know what he likes, what he dislikes. We know what is against him and not against him. We know what he expects. I mean, we could go on and on with this. We have the special revelation, the written word of God, 
to understand this. This uh, retired pastor goes on to say the Bible has been quoted to support slavery and segregation. Where has the Bible been used to support slavery and segregation? I've heard this argument time and time again. But i got to be honest with you, when I see you know these articles like this written, I want to know where the biblical proof is. Because the truth of the matter is what they have done, they have taken a passage out of its context, and they have not allowed God to speak. Like, for instance, slavery. Let's just do that for just a moment. There is truly an understanding throughout the Bible that slavery existed, just like slavery existed in the United States of America. That doesn't mean that slavery excuse me, is what God wants, or that is a good thing, or a God thing. Once again, the Bible is a history book that gives us a picture, an understanding about mankind and what has taken place, especially men who are wicked and depraved, and slavery falls into that category. But to say that the Bible has been you know, quoted to support, well, once again, who's quoting it, and how are they interpreting the Bible, their own interpretation? See, that's the problem. And then it goes on, he goes on in the article, says the Bible continues to be used to oppose woman's work outside the home and female ordination. Once again, folks, if we study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman who needeth not to be shamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. See, there's a right way and then there's a wrong way. We come to these places when it comes to women and the role, the responsibility, and why God created women. And we began to study carefully. We begin to get the answer. See, the problem is a lot of people don't like the answers that God has to give. A lot of people get angry at God because they don't think God has the right to tell somebody, these are your boundaries, these are your expectations, this is what I want from a woman, or this is what I expect in the church, et cetera, et cetera. See, they want to be, in essence, God themselves. They want to be in control. Or they want to determine from God's word, the Bible, what they like and what they don't like. So it's, it's almost like, you know, they study the Bible with a black magic marker. And those passages they don't care for, they just scratch right out. And, you know, that's how it's going to be. But it can't be that way. Matter of fact, I want to tell you, all of you out there who are listening and, and who will download this podcast, that there are passages of Scripture that is very important for all of us to understand. One of the things I want to do here on the Marty Mento Show podcast is really threefold. The first thing is I want us to learn. I really believe in our day and age in which we live, there is a problem, especially amongst those who claim to be Christians, and that is knowing what you believe and why you believe it. Many of you who have known me over the years know that there are certain things I hold on to and I won't let go because I think they're so important. I believe a lot of people, because this was me years ago, I held on to what you would call secondhand theology. Now, my definement of that, and maybe I've created it, I don't know, some people think I have, but secondhand theology basically is the theology of your parents, your grandparents, the pastor in the pulpit, your favorite Bible teacher on TV, uh, your favorite uh, Christian writer, whatever it may be, conference speaker, it could go on and on. But the truth of the matter is, do you know what you believe and why you believe it? 
so often Christians aren't able to really define and to defend the faith or are able to adequately teach other people when it comes to what they believe. They believe it because that's what their parents taught them, their grandparents taught them. That's what they believe because Pastor so-and-so says it from the pulpit or on TV or in the book that they're reading, and they really like this person. But it can't be that way. See, going back to what I quoted earlier, study to show thyself approved unto God. Our responsibility as Christians is to study the Word of God. So the first thing we're going to do is learn on this uh, talk radio program podcast. We're going to learn together. We're going to learn exactly what God's Word has to say. The second thing we're able to do, once we learn, we're able to teach other people. Today, a lot of people have questions, and there are little to no answers. Just recently, I I spoke to some young women who left, quote-unquote, Christianity and now are a part of what they believe the true church, which is their Jehovah Witnesses. And they told me, plain and simply, that the reason why they did so, and, and they used to both be a part of a Baptist church, but they had a lot of questions, and nobody would give them answers. From Sunday school teachers to youth group leaders, even the pastor in the pulpit, they asked questions, and basically they, they were always getting like, you're bothering me. I mean, I, I, you know, this is pretty deep. I, I don't know we all quite under. I mean, all the excuses were being brought to them by people who did not know what they believe and why they believe it. They were not able to adequately teach them what God has to say about these issues. So what happens is you have people then, you know, they feel like, okay, well, maybe this ain't the right answer. Then you come over here and they said, well, at that point in time, the those who were coming knocking at the door, they seemed to have the answers. They wanted to sit down in our, in our table in our kitchen and they wanted to do a Bible study and they wanted to tell us what the Bible, what God really is saying here. Unfortunately, but true, these two sisters – then eventually their whole family, according to their testimony, is now a part of the Kingdom Hall in a particular area. And I'm thinking to myself, this is wrong. We have a young people today. A lot of people are saying statistics are proven that, you know, the young people that are being raised in the church or in, within Christianity, once they graduate high school and they go into college, the numbers are so great that many and many of them are just walking away from Christianity, having nothing to do with Christianity. They're gone. Why? Well, I, I think the bottom line would be simply this, is they probably weren't saved in the first place. That's another issue for another time. But the whole thing about the gospel message and getting the gospel right and uh, yes, there's many gospel messages out there, but is it truly the gospel according to God? It's because it's God's gospel. But these young people are leaving. But another thing, too, many of them, are, they're not getting their questions yet. Pa- parents can't answer them. Uh, they're, they're not being taught at home. You know, the old thing, it's up to the church to educate our children. And so they rely upon an hour youth group you know, gathering once a week or a Sunday school time. But the truth of the matter is you have parents at home that are not studying God's Word with the children. They're not talking to them about the spiritual things, et cetera, et cetera. So, so anyways, we have that group. But what we want to do is here on this program, this podcast, we want to not just learn together, but we want to be able to teach other people. We want to rightly divide the Word of Truth so that we can teach others. And the last part of it quickly is we are going to defend and that is defend the faith. You know, uh, not too long ago, I was doing a study in the book of Jude. Uh, 
And in the book of Jude, it tells us in um, the book of Jude, um, I'm looking here quickly here, it tells us in the scriptures that we are to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. We are to contend earnestly. We are to be prepared to give a defense. We are to be prepared to stand opposed to that which is not true. Now, get this. If you study the book of Jude, you're going to find out something that's going to amaze you. In the book of Jude, we're warned in the last days, the greatest attacks that we're going to find are not coming from what the outside of the church. They're coming from within. And false teachers are going to continue to rise up left and right and lead people astray. So we have to be able to contend earnestly for the faith. we got to be able to step in and speak the truth in love. we got to be able to handle those who are in opposition to the real truth those who are teaching things that are false, those who are leading other people astray. Now, now with that, I'm going to hold to something I've held to for a long time. And again, it's my mission as a Christian. It's, it's my mission um, as I go and share the word, as I defend the truth. I stand upon 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 24 through 26, listen to this quickly. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. That's kind of my mission. And in that, if you study that, you know, I'm not looking for a fight. But but I am looking to bring to people the gospel, to bring to people the truth. But I, I have to be kind. I have to be patient, uh, especially when I'm wrong, when somebody wrongs me, somebody does something against me. But I have to be able to teach. And how do you able to teach? Well, first of all, you have to learn. You have to learn. Then once you learn... You're able to teach others, and then you're able to defend. You're able to contend earnestly for the faith. There's only one faith. The truth that comes about, you're able to deal with it and deal with it appropriately. And again, this is these are one of the issues that, that really bother me today because this gentleman here in this article, in his commentary, is basically attacking the Word of God. That's where the issue really comes down to. It is attack on the Word of God. And whether or not God's, the Bible, as we would call it, the Old Testament, the New Testament, these books that we have, and, and maybe you probably already know this, but, but, but it's, it's important for us to understand that the Bible comes from the Greek word biblia, which means the books. We have two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Old Covenant, the New Covenant, 39 books in the Old, 27 in the New so we have before us what we believe to be God's holy word. As a matter of fact, when Paul wrote to young Timothy, that young pastor, he said something to him in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. He says, all scripture 
is inspired by God. All of it. So that tells us that every part of Scripture, every jot, every tittle, everything that we have comes from God's. That's that's the who. That's where it all begins. So the Bible, in essence, is a God book. God is the one who has given it to man. God is the one who has brought it forward to man. God is the one who has given man the capability of taking down, putting on the parchment accurately as the Holy Spirit, who is God, has carried along these men as they completed this work. They're kind of the second who. The first who is always God. It, it begins, all Scripture is God-breathed or breathed out by God. It belongs to God. It's not my word. It's not your word. It's his word. And that's what's interesting about this in this gentleman and his commentary. The truth of the matter is, when we talk about Scripture, Holy Scripture, we talk about the word of God. It belongs to God. Our responsibility is to adequately and correctly and rightly divide that word to know exactly what God said when it comes to these issues, whether it be homosexuality, same-sex marriage, women in the pulpit, women at home, women at work, raising children. Now, it doesn't cover topics like, you know, how to change your oil, the best method to change oil. It doesn't talk about how's the best way to bake a cake and things like that. I, I think we have to, you know, use some common sense. But when it comes to our lives and what God wants, and we want to be, by far as Christians, we want to be pleasing to him. We want to do what is right when it comes to the faith that has been handed down. Well, we really believe, we must believe, that the Word of God is the only infallible rule of faith in life or faith in practice. And we have to take time, but unfortunately, but true, many people don't do so. And, and, and that becomes the problem. And then we read even further here when he says it's, it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Think about that. When it comes to being a Christian, what is that main thing that you and I need? We need the Word of God. We want to be righteous because he is righteous, and we know that the righteousness that we have, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags, but to do what is right in the eyes of God, to live in a manner by the Spirit that would be pleasing to God, we have to turn to God's holy word. That's what it comes down to. So here you have a man who is basically, he's questioning the authority, the inspiration, the inerrancy of God's holy word. What's interesting about that is a lot of people who've already uh, responded on Facebook and the things that have been said. For instance, uh, Mike writes to me, he says, uh, be careful using the Bible. Sure. But if you're afraid to use it because other people have misused it, just start a book club. You can still mislead people and feel like a boss that way. Mike, I appreciate that. Uh, uh, We have Clint. Clint says, I grew up and spent 38 years in the United Methodist Church. I still love my church home and the people there. Uh, Great people who do love God and people but are ignorant of God's word or interpret it wrong. They drew their lines for pastors and bishops beyond the boundaries of Scripture. They instituted women in these positions who were uh, sweet and nice, and they are sliding down that slope. The problem was they left the Scriptures. 
which really comes down to the problem is is properly interpreting. We would call those call that biblical hermeneutics. The hermeneutic principles are off, and they're creating things. They're making the Bible say what they want it to say. One of them I really enjoyed was from Bob. Bob wrote me a just a very lengthy response, and I'll just read some of it here. He said, Marty, thank you for having shared this article. As a Christian who believes that the Bible is the inspired, therefore inerrant, infallible Word of God, complete for doctrine and instruction, and as a funeral director who has worked with pastors of many denominations for over 45 years, I find the Reverend James R. McCormick to be representative of many of the mainline Protestant pastors. While I can see that he appears to be sensitive and caring sort of man, the one who refers to the Bible in a partial perspective, I do not see evidence of his conversion to Christ nor his recognition that the word is his authority on all matters. It has been my experience that about 50% of Protestant pastors in the Northeast U.S., are probably not saved, and about 50% those who are saved and 25% of the whole show no signs of spiritual gift of a pastor or teacher. This corresponds with what the Barner polls show about eight years ago. Therefore, it doesn't surprise me that the UMC General Conference is so divided over the two mentioned uh, concerns. While I've seen the church or parts of it being very legalistic and falling short of grace and mercy, I have also found parts of it misusing what they call grace to tolerate and even condone sin. And he goes on in this great article, and again, if you go on our Facebook page, The Marty Minto Show Podcast, you can read more about that. There is so much to say about this issue. There's so much to talk about in regards to this gentleman's comments, and I'm going to continue on with this. But again, you go to my Facebook page, The Marty Minto Show Podcast. Again, it's the commentary entitled, Be Careful Using the Bible. It's also on Twitter, and uh, The Marty Minto Show, you can get it on Twitter, and also Instagram, The Marty Minto Show. And read what he has said. We're going to talk more about this, but uh, for today... I think we have really spent quality time looking at the fact that God's Word truly is the infallible rule of our faith in life, our practice in life of who we are as Christians. And what is really being attacked today is that reality. The Word of God is under attack. But we all know, those of us who truly believe and have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that the Bible that we hold on to, the Bible we read, the Bible we study is just that. It is the Word of God. Once again, I want to just encourage you to leave your comments on Facebook or you can email me with questions or comments at Marty Minto. That's Marty with a Y. Minto is M-I-N-T-O. Marty Minto at gmail.com. Until next time. Thanks so much for listening to the all-new Marty Minto Show podcast, and I look forward to another episode coming up soon. Have a blessed day. Thanks for stopping by an apologetic show that doesn't apologize for the truth. The Marty Minto Show.